Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Welcome to Sunrise. It's good to worship you this morning. A bit of a snow globe outside this morning. It's beautiful. The snow falling. Um, as you walked in this morning, you got a sheet of paper, which was a little bit different. Um, this morning, uh, our projector is working fine. Our computer is working fine. Actually, for you guys on worshiping with us online, nothing will be different whatsoever. But uh, the, this morning, the projector and the computer decided to not talk together very well. So... They're not communicating, but we can still worship. We can still sing and, and press through that crazy. So you have sheets in front of you. The, all our songs, all the, all the lyrics are on there. I know it's a little bit weird sometimes as you're trying to sing and worship and engage with God, have a sheet of paper in front of your face. You guys know these songs pretty well, so you may not need to leave and look at the paper very much. But we're still going to worship. We're still going to sing and connect with God. So why don't you guys stand with us as we worship, as we prepare to sing. We're going to start off this morning with um, Raise a Hallelujah. You know you guys know, know this song well, but this, this song calls us to worship when life is good, when life is on the mountaintop, and we also can worship when we're in the valley and the storms are among us, life is busy, life is crazy. Um, we can still ask God to just quiet the distractions, quiet our hearts so we can engage and worship with Him. So let's sing together. Let's praise him today.
Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, and everything around me is shaken. I've never been more glad I put my faith in Jesus.
Would you continue with me in prayer? Father, we are thankful for that declaration this morning. Lord, we are thankful that you are our firm foundation, Lord, that you are the one who leads and guides, Lord, you are the one who is worthy of all of our praise, Lord, and we declare today afresh and anew that it is our desire to build our lives, Lord Jesus, on the foundation of you. So, Father, we cast aside all of those things that distract us from that. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in our hearts and our, our lives, that you would remove all of the things that, that clamor for our attention to take our focus from you. Lord, we thank you for the reminder this morning to keep the main thing the main thing. We thank you, Father, that the church of Jesus Christ has gone on and will go on. We thank you for the gifts of technology, Lord, but more so than that, we thank you for the gift of the incarnation in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the gift of incarnation here together this morning. And so, God, we pray that you would continue to move among us, that you would continue to do your good work. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for all that you have done and, and continue to do. Lord, we thank you for the work that you've done in the heart and the life of, of Brenda Dorn over this last week. God, it's amazing. You have brain surgery on Friday and you're home Monday. Lord, we acknowledge you and we honor you and all of that. So God, for each and every one of us here today, we pray that you would just touch us with your spirit in a special way that we could know you and be known by you. As never before, leaving this place changed. In the mighty and the strong and the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And God's people said. Amen. Go ahead and please be seated. Well, good morning and welcome. My name is Dennis, and if you are a regular here at Sunrise Ministries, I'm your pastor. <laughs> if you are a guest with us, welcome. We are really glad that you're here. Um, you will notice uh, for our, our guests and our, our partners and regular attenders uh, alike, in front of the seat in front of you, there's a QR code. Uh, for those of you that are my age and older, if you take out this little magic box in your pocket and you open up the camera and you scan that thing, uh, that'll give you all of our announcements, uh, let you know how you can get to our website, just give you all kinds of information. Um, Speaking of the website, we are very thankful for, uh, for Julie and for Dan and all the work that they've been doing over the past month and a half. Uh, and last week, our brand new app and website rolled out. It is so handy. As Dan was praying before the service, his phone dinged and mine buzzed at the same time. And it said from the Sunrise Ministry app, hi church, service is starting soon. And I'm like, that's a really good indication for Dan to wrap it up. And for us to get in here, if you haven't downloaded the app or if you haven't been able to um, navigate the new website, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, you can just search the app on the app store and you can find it. Or if that's beyond you, could I have every person under, oh, let's say 23 in the building right here right now, raise your hand. Every person under 23, find one of these people. If you can't figure it out, find one of these people. And they will, uh, they will help you out. Um, there's, there's more information uh, on that. And if you ha need any help, you can uh, come uh, call the office, email the office, and we can work that out. Uh, the new women's Bible study is going to be starting. So uh, Carol Van Heitzma uh, is going to be leading that. Uh, again, that starts, Carol, this week? All right, this week. Um, I saw you handing out books in the, uh, right in the, in the foyer. So... Um, info is on the app and on the website about that. Um, also, there are going to be some uh, new small groups and threes company groups starting kicking off, Dan, on February 1st. Does that sound right? If you want more information, again, you can look on the website or you can talk to uh, Dan about that. Um, okay, is that it? Man, okay. Dan wrote me a very detailed list this week, and I uh, just want to make sure. All right, before we move on, so 
uh, this is normally the time where we take sort of a half time and we send you guys out to get coffee and you, you greet one another and you shake hands and all this kind of stuff. But we have a special introduction that I need to make this week. Are you excited? <laughs> you're like, sure. I don't know what you're talking about, old man. All right. So uh, Corey and Lindsay Williamson, if you guys would head this way, I just want to introduce you. So as you guys know, over the last couple of months, we have actually been searching and praying and really seeking the Lord to figure out who he's going to bring here. Up, up on the stage, man. Um, stand down in the front. Yeah. Um, and uh, through the course of lots of, of prayer and lots of investigation, the Lord has brought Corey to us as our new youth and young adults pastor. So... We are super excited to have Corey and Lindsay with us. Uh, Corey and Lindsay are newlyweds. They have been two months? Not even. Okay. A month and a half. Okay. I can't remember. What, what, what was the date of your wedding? December 4th. December 4th. Okay. So not even two months married yet. Um, marriage counseling is on Thursday afternoon. Good enough. Right? Enough. We'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so uh, Corey and Lindsay are very dear friends. Uh, I've known them both for about four or five years. Um, I was their philosophy professor uh, in college, and uh, uh, just we have been so blessed that uh, as Corey and Lindsay were getting married, they thought they were going to be moving to the other side of the state where Corey was a full-time youth pastor at a, at a pretty good-sized church, uh, but then the Lord changed his plans, and uh, they decided that God was calling them here. Uh, Lindsay has a, a business in the area. They both grew up here. This is home. So Lindsay, 2015, Hudsonville Eagle. And uh, 2015 Granville Bulldog, right? So we'll allow it, <laughs> says the Wildcat Dad. No, we're, uh, but so they, they, they felt the Lord leading them back here. And it was about that time that we started our, our search process. And, and so we were in the midst of having a conversation, I think. And you said, hey, man, if you know of anything. And I'm like, well, <laughs> possibly. So we're super excited uh, to have these, these two um, with us. Uh, so, you know, we're paying Corey to do the job, you know, so Lindsay's just here because she loves him, right? But, um, man, we're super excited, and so we want you to have an opportunity to greet them today, get a chance to uh, uh, get a look at them, especially all the young people while they were still in here, right? So you can get a look, and this is going to be the guy that's going to, going to be leading the, uh, the youth ministry uh, moving forward. We have donuts today, so there's going to be an opportunity after the service you to get to know them a little bit more. I bought gluten-free Oreos this morning. Thank you. Bless you. Okay? I promise anybody touches those, you touch those gluten-free Oreos, they're his. All right. That was supposed to be funny. People are like, okay, seriously, old man. All right. So we're super glad to have, I'm going to pray over these two real quick. So if you would just extend a hand. Then we're going to do, uh, we're going to dismiss the kids. We're going to have our greeting time. They're going to meander. You can get coffee and you can go talk to them um, before we continue the service. Sound okay? Extend a hand as we pray for, for Corey and Lindsay. So Father, we thank you now for these dear friends. We thank you for your work in their heart and their life. We thank you uh, for leading them and guiding them to us and leading and guiding us to them. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful conversations that we've been able to have uh, with, with the elders and with the staff and with these two. And, and Lord, we just pray right now that you would, um, you, you would work your plan in their life, Lord, that we would be able to, to see growth and flourishing and your kingdom established and expanded. So, Father, we love you and we thank you and we trust you and we are just looking forward to see what you're going to be doing over these next years as we journey together. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Greet one another. Act like you care about each other. Okay, everyone, if we could uh, make our way back to our seats. Pastor Dan alerted me that we didn't have a countdown, so I didn't have anything to... All right, so today we are going to be going old school, so no slides. Um, we're just, you're just going to pay attention. Does that sound okay? So we're in the um, second message, part two uh, of our pillar, Be Compassionate. And so we've already talked about this fall, we talked about what it means to be biblical. We talked about a couple weeks ago what it meant to be thankful. And then last week and this week, we're talking about what it means to be compassionate. 
I don't know about you, but for me, one of the most beautiful parts of the Gospels is the fact that they give us portraits of the life and the ministry of Jesus from different perspectives. And while it's beautiful, it it can at times be confusing and frustrating. I know. You heard it here first, folks. A preacher that admits that sometimes the Bible can be confusing and frustrating. Can we just have a like a can we just have an amen to that? Amen. amen. And sometimes when we come to those confusing or frustrating parts of the Bible, it's like trying to get the truth of who's at fault from two squabbling eight-year-olds. You ever been there? Right, you walk up on two eight-year-olds, and in my case, it was like a, a, a seven-year-old and a six-year-old, and Drew and Caleb would be fighting over the same toy, and I would walk up, and I would begin to try to disentangle the, the fray of knees and elbows and saliva and little floppy hairs and things like that, and I'd be like, who, who, who started this? And obviously, the person that started it was the other person. <laughs> One of my favorite stories of of child-on-child violence comes from my own home. When Michaela was about two months old, Amy was downstairs or in the kitchen or something, doing laundry. Okay, she was downstairs doing laundry, and she hears Michaela yelling and screaming. And, as, and so here's the thing. You got those, those of you that have had, like, more than one child, you realize that when number three starts screaming, you're just like, it's fine, they're breathing. Michaela's yelling, she's screaming, Amy walks upstairs to find Drew sitting transfixed, watching a Star Wars video, not knowing what's going on in the world. Michaela is laying as a two-month-old in the middle of the, the floor, and Caleb was, where were you, boy? Under the table. Hiding under the kitchen table. <laughs> wasn't, right, that wasn't the best hiding space, probably. But Caleb was under the kitchen table with his hands over his eyes like this. And um, do you remember what you said? What, 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 do you remember what? So what, what happened? Like, Amy, you came up and you're like, what's going on here? Just like that. And, um, <laughs> and Caleb, do you remember what you told your mother? I told her I was testing what's wrong with Caleb. <laughs> 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 It still makes me, yeah, and, and you know, Michaela got over it. She was fine, right? The, the tick subsided after a while, and everything was okay. See, folks, sometimes when we read the Gospels, we run across stories that the Gospel writers tell, and it's a lot like that story. Now, the family didn't know that I was going to do this. They didn't know that I was going to elicit their help, but have you ever listened to a story being told by more than one person? Yeah. Right? And sometimes, especially when the people are really comfortable with each other, you have a married couple that are telling the same story, right? And it's hard to know. It's like watching a tennis match that's kind of a little bit aggressive at the same time and contradictory and, and those kinds of things. And it's kind of like that when we, we read some of these parallel passages out of, of, the, of the Gospels. And today, we're going to be looking at a parallel passage from the one that we looked at last week. And so, if you have your Bibles, oh, wow, so no screen today. So, if you have your Bibles or said magic box, you can find a Bible on that thing too, uh, open up to the Scriptures to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 38, and we're going to be looking at one of these complementary perspectives that can add beauty and information uh, to, to, the, to the questions that we've been asking over the last couple of weeks. Matthew's account mirrors but yet adds a little bit of information to what Mark was talking about last week. So Matthew, or Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 through 38 and this is how Matthew recalls or recounts the same story um, or the same sort of intermediary information that we looked at in Mark last week. Uh, chapter 9 verse 35. 
Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The good news, the euangelion. Euangelion is the Greek word here. It was a word that actually the gospel writers and the apostle Paul borrowed from the wider culture and the wider society. Coming up over eh, three weeks from now, we're going to start and we're going to unpack and I'm going to let you know exactly what that that means and, and the historical context behind that. But for right now, understand that this word, euangelion, is the word that we have transliterated, meaning we've taken it from the Greek and we've pulled those letters straight over into the English to get our word evangelism. It's also the word that's translated gospel. Gospel means good news. So Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, right? Went to religious people, went to their places of worship, and he taught proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and healing every disease and sickness. Quick aside, you've heard me say this before, you're going to hear me say it a thousand more times over the times that we're together, but this is connecting something that Jesus never puts apart. Jesus never separates His healing ministry um, with His kingdom proclamation ministry. This idea of Jesus healing people, friends, wasn't Jesus doing a parlor trick to prove His divinity, right? It wasn't... When the kids were little, I would do this, I'd be like, watch, I'm going to make my thumb disappear, right? Right? Look, watch, watch, watch. Ha-ha! You guys are looking at me like I'm an idiot, right? (laughs) Two-year-olds love that trick. It wasn't a parlor trick that Jesus was using to try to convey something. It was Jesus coming, announcing the kingdom, and pushing back the fall, saying, this is not what the kingdom of heaven looks like. It was a means of proclaiming the kingdom of God. Verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Same word, same phrase that we saw last week. Because they were, new information here, harassed and helpless, back to the same information Mark gave us, like sheep without a shepherd. Just like we saw last week, Jesus has come and he showed compassion uh, to the people that are around him. Not sympathy, but compassion because Jesus isn't just feeling bad about the state that they find themselves in. Jesus is willing and prepared and able to do something about the state that people find themselves in. He shows compassion to sheep who are without a shepherd. And clearly, as we saw last week, this is an allusion to the Old Testament that's referring to God's people. Jesus wasn't talking to people who actually were sheep without a shepherd. He was talking to and showing compassion to his sheep of whom he was their shepherd. The problem wasn't that they were shepherdless. The problem was that they were acting like, feeling like they were shepherdless. Have you ever felt like something was true even though it wasn't really true? But the feelings still persisted in themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Jesus comes, and what he's coming to do is not just to proclaim the reality of heaven to these people, is he's coming to manifest the reality of heaven to these people. Verse 37, and then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. Remember, he's speaking into an agrarian society. He's speaking into people that if they didn't go out and work the harvest, then they didn't eat. He was speaking into people who, who understood what it was like to go out and together and to bind and, 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 and to put up and to, and to, 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 um, uh, to work with their hands in the fields. And so they knew what a harvest was, but they also knew that if you didn't have enough workers to go and to gather the harvest, that the harvest could rot in the fields. And so when Jesus is talking about the workers being few, probably don't, don't miss this. It would have been clear to the disciples, and it needs to be clear to us. He's talking about kingdom proclaimers. The harvest are those sheep that are harassed and helpless who even though they have a shepherd, they, they act as though in function like they don't have a shepherd. They're the harvest and the workers, those who come to, to demonstrate and to manifest and proclaim the kingdom of God to those people, they're few. And then verse 38, he says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That your job isn't just to go be workers in the harvest. 
It's to pray. It's to labor. It's to trust. It's to seek so that God can send workers, raise up workers, and send them into His field. Now, Matthew and Mark, there's, there's, there, there are little differences here between these two uh, accounts. But I'm, I'm, I'm convinced or, or, or pretty sure that this is probably a reference to the same event. Um, Matthew gives us a, a little more information, right? He tells us a little more of what's going on. And so this section of Matthew is a little bit larger. It's, it's kind of ordered in a little bit different way. This, this section in Mark appears right before the feeding of the 5,000, and Matthew puts a little more distance between this encounter and the feeding of the 5,000. But I tend to think that this is the same event or the same teaching that Matthew and Mark are, are both uh, talking about because both of these, this is two of the 11 times that the Greek word that was translated compassion is used, and it's the only two times that the phrase sheep without, like sheep without a shepherd is used in the New Testament. And I think that for, for these two gospel writers, this, this phrase, this thought of Jesus showing compassion to His sheep who lived and functioned as though they were shepherdless rooted its way in their hearts and in their minds. As we looked at Mark's account from last week, we, we kind of asked the question, well, what did Jesus do? Well, He showed compassion to the sheep who didn't know He was their good shepherd. And we further asked the question, then what does it mean for you and for me then to show compassion? What does it mean for us to go out of our way, not just to feel badly for the plight that our friends and our neighbors find themselves in, but to actually make a difference in their lives. Well, if that's sort of what Mark's account highlighted this week in, in Matthew's account, uh, I want us to ask a couple of different but, but yet related questions. And the first is this, to whom did Jesus extend His compassion? See, Mark sort of puts this spotlight on the who Jesus was, was compassionate toward. Yeah, sheep with, without a shepherd, like sheep without a shepherd, but, but there was more information that's given. And then, and, and then the second question is, how and to whom then can I do the same? If this is the type of person that we see Jesus showing compassion toward, if this is the type of person that, that Jesus says, this is my sheep, even though they don't know that they are my sheep, how then can I identify those people in my life and how can I do the same? So to whom did Jesus have compassion? Well, they were his sheep, but they were harassed and they were helpless. Jesus showed compassion to the harassed and the helpless. And so who must I show compassion to, friends, those same kinds of people, the harassed? What does it mean for someone to be, be harassed? Well, it, it, it's someone who is seen as a bother or someone that's seen as a burden. It's someone that's seen as an inconvenience. Who are those people that are in your lives? Quite literally, as I was, I was working through and I was translating this, these, these, this phrase this past week, it, it bubbled up in my mind that there were that there are people that are in my life that they get on my last nerve. There are people that, that and let's be honest, right, there are some people that are in your life, right, and, and this, this just doesn't stop with high school, right? You sort of see them coming one way down the hallway, and you're kind of looking for an escape hatch. You're looking for an es- escape plan. It's the people that, 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 that they, maybe they talk too much, or maybe they, they don't have that, that personal box, and they get right up in your face and your business. They're the, they're the people that, that ask the uncomfortable questions. They're the, they're the people that, you, that, that provoke you in such a way, and you really don't know why, but boy, you just would rather not hang out with this kind of person. Now, I see a lot of smirks, and I see, stop it, I see spouses looking at other spouses right now. (laughs) I see you. I see you out there. I see a lot of people staring at me like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. The harassed, those who in our own lives and through our own eyes, but maybe even in society that are seen as a burden that are seen as an inconvenience, that are seen as a bother. This 
these with her wrath that Jesus looked upon and he said, man, he was moved not just with sympathy, but he was moved with compassion. It was the harass that Jesus looked at from among the people of Israel. And he looked and he said, these are, these are my sheep. These are my people. These are the ones that are under my care. Those that never quite have enough. Those that are hard to love. Those extra grace needed people, the harassed and the helpless. The helpless, the one who never seems to measure up, the one who's been rejected or cast aside. This particular word appears only a handful of times, seven times in the New Testament, and it almost always has to do with throwing something away or casting something down. In Acts chapter 27, when Paul and his companions are in the midst of a terrible storm at sea, this is the word that's used when they talk about they threw down or cast down the anchor in order to try to survive the storm. It's the same word that's used when Jesus is exercising the demon from the young man uh, where the demon often throws him down to the ground and into the fire. That word to throw, it's the same word that's used here. It's the helpless. It's the same word that's used of Judas, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus for the monetary gain. It's the word that's used of Judas when he threw that money into the temple and left. It's those who've been put down. It's those who've been rejected and dejected. It's the kids who time after time after time after time at recess are picked last. It's the person who never seemed, the things never seem to work out for this person. There's, there's never quite enough. It, 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 they always seem to get in their own way. They're, they're the person that's the easy target in our lives. You see, Jesus looks at the harassed and the helpless, and he showed them compassion. He showed them compassion by going to where they are. He went to their towns and their villages. He went into their synagogues. He closed the distance and closed the gap. Jesus didn't walk the other way. He walked toward these harassed and helpless sheep. What's interesting to me that in this, in this case, one of those places that he went was into their houses of worship. Jesus evangelized religious folk, my friends. Maybe one of the key truths from this passage that kind of jumped out at me this week was, was just the clear reminder is that those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who name the name of Christ, those of us who are part of the covenant community of the church of Jesus, we need the gospel just as much as anybody else. We need the gospel we need His love. We need His grace. And in this passage, we see people going, we see Jesus going to where these harassed and helpless are, and we see Him both teaching and proclaiming and manifesting the good news of Jesus. In this passage, He tells His fathers, He tells His followers to actually go be workers, be proclaimers manifestors of the good news in the spaces that they occupy. Go to his sheep. Go to those who attend the synagogue. Go to those who are a part of Israel. Go to those who know the Scriptures but have missed Jesus. The gospel isn't just for folks that are out there, friends. It's for us as well. Because I got I to be honest with you, there are times in my own life that Man, I have all the right answers and I have my theology all neat and, and set, but there are times in my life where I realize by virtue of the fact that I am not as kind or compassionate as I ought to be, that I do want to walk the other way, that I do see people as either problems or projects, that in those moments I am not seeing, I am not seeing the harassed and the helpless the way Jesus sees them. I'm not having the compassion of Jesus for those who are like sheep without a shepherd. And sometimes that happens with people who actually know the name of Jesus 
Jesus. Can I tell you, the people that I find the hardest to show grace to, can I just be real transparent with you? It's the legalistic Christian. Man, I struggle. I get mad and I get angry. I am very seldom tempted to go off on a tirade on Facebook until I see people that believe the right things, who know the right stuff, who go the right places on Sunday, who have all of their crap together belittling the harassed and the helpless. And I fail in those moments to realize that they, just like me, are harassed and helpless too. That we all need God's grace. You see, I think that one of the things this passage helped me to realize is that those who are in need of my compassion, well, they're in need of my compassion. Why? Because they're just like me. That it's, it's my neighbor that's harassed and helpless, but it's also me that's harassed and helpless. That if any of us were counting on our own ability and our own um, um, goodness to find peace with God, that we would be sorely and miserably lacking. That the harassed and the helpless are someone's son and someone's daughter, someone's niece, nephew, spouse, or friend. But the harassed and the helpless are also my son and my daughter and my niece and nephew and spouse and friend. That the harvest that Jesus is talking about for his disciples isn't a nameless, faceless rabble that somewhere that somebody somewhere over there, it's their neighbors and it's their friends. It's those who are a part of Israel. The harvest that Jesus is talking about to his disciples is right here among the people they love. I love to tell stories. And I was thinking just just the other day... um, about one of, the, one of the greatest times that I had in my life, traveling to northeast India uh, into in sort of the, the foothills of the Himalayan mountains, went to a village uh, uh, in, in that area where the, where the Rong Mai tribe live. And, and the Rong Mai, before about 150 years ago, were headhunters. Like you walk into the valley and it has a, a, a big sort of billboard with like traditional Rong Mai, with people like people that are alive and walking around now in traditional wrong my like warrior get up and things like that. And it literally says, welcome to Hunter's Valley. And I'm like, why are we here? <laughs> Suresh, I love you, but can I trust you? Right? That's kind of the thing. Right? I, and I remember being in that space, but what I found in that, in that place was I found a group of mountain people that were very much like the mountain people that I grew up with in West Virginia. See, the reality is, folks, that it's, it's fun for us to tell stories about going halfway around the world to do pastoral training and to talk to people and to, and to present the gospel, but the reality is, is that my neighbor needs the gospel just as much as anybody does anywhere else over and around the world. The Filipino people have this really interesting phrase that says, if, you're, if your candle doesn't burn in the house, don't take it outside. <laughs> I think that what Jesus is telling us and showing us in this passage is that the biggest difference that I can make in someone's life is by both showing and telling them the good news. This week, I could almost hear the Spirit of God, friends, reminding me that people won't believe it when you talk it if they don't see you walk it. If you're not walking the gospel, then people aren't going to believe it when you talk it. I was reminded that the world, the empire... The kingdom of this age excels at harassing and disenfranchising the helpless. But the kingdom of God is called to something altogether different. It was almost as if the Spirit of God was saying, You, Dennis, be about the business of taking away burdens, not tying more on. You see, what if the people that provoke you, what if the people that that annoy you are in need of less rules and regulations and more love and more grace. I'm pretty sure they are. Why? Because that's exactly what I need. It's almost as if I could hear the Spirit of God say, you, Dennis, be about the business of befriending the lonely and defending the oppressed. You, Dennis, stop spending your time or or start 
spending your time bringing in the outcast rather than shunning them because of their past sin or status. You, Dennis, work at healing and restoring the cast aside. You, all Sunrise Ministries, be a place and a people that love folk in the midst of their mess. You all, Sunrise Ministry, pick first the kid who's always been picked last. You all enfold and elevate those who have never messed up or have, have never measured up. You all be a place where people can live beyond guilt and shame because we don't have room We don't have room to judge others given the amount of grace we have seen. Be a church of which the harassed and the helpless can say, this is a place where I came and I found freedom. This is a place where I came and I experienced love. And this is a place where I showed up and they showed me grace. As the worship team comes, I noodled a lot this week on this question, to whom is God calling me to show compassion? And the crazy thing is, folks, is that I can't answer that for you. I can't tell you, hey, it's this person, it's this place, it's, it's this situation. I think a lot of times when we do that, we, we really get in trouble, right? Because we have somebody who, who God has really called to, to minister to the, to the homeless and and, and God's really given them a passion, and we look at that, and we say, and we look, and we're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's exactly, because we see the Spirit of God in them, we see the kingdom of God being established, but, but maybe God hasn't called you to the homeless. Maybe, maybe that's not where your, your giftedness is. But, but as I was asking, God, to whom are you calling me to show compassion? Who are those that are like sheep without a shepherd? Who are the harassed and the helpless? The, the question that I asked, the question that I would like for you to ask is, is, is this, is well, where does God have you right now? Where does God have me right now? Who are the people that he has placed me among? Who are the harassed and the helpless in my life that Jesus has placed there and he's saying, okay, now you, you point them to me. You show them my love. You show them my grace. You see, it's not about going somewhere on some errand. It's about being faithful in the place that God has planted you. The second thing is that, well, who are the harassed and the helpless that are in my path? Who are those people that have been cast aside? Who are those people that have been objectified? Who are those people that have been rejected. Maybe, maybe for some of you that are, that are in high school, it's, it's the kid that eats by themselves all the time. Maybe it's the kid that doesn't have somebody to sit with them at, at lunch. One of the things that I always loved about being a swim dad was that um, if you had somebody that was new to swimming and they were, they were really coming in last and they were really struggling, is that it was, it was kind of a, a, a natural part of the community is that once everybody had finished, and folks, there, there were some times where you would have a kid that was a full 25 yards behind everybody else. And, and so you, you were sort of left with, with sort of a, a decision. Do you sit there in this uncomfortable silence while you have this, this kid who's not very good at what he's doing, but they're really, really trying, they're really, really struggling? And, and almost always when this kid would, would hit the wall and they would come back. The, the, the kid that was in last place always got about as much, as, as loud a cheer as the kid that was in first place. And I remember sitting one day just thinking about that, like, I wonder if Jesus was here, if he would turn to all of us as we're cheering this kid who, who maybe he struggles, or maybe this is the first time that he's ever been a part of a sport, or or maybe he has some kind of a disability of, of some sort, but he's out there and he's trying and he's working and he's struggling and the people are cheering him into the wall. I wonder if Jesus might look at that and would look at all of us and say, ah, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like when a group of people treat somebody else's son or daughter the way they would want for the others, or for everyone else to treat their son or daughter. 
And the last thing I wonder is that how can I show the grace I desire to receive from others to those who annoy me most? My goal this week is to go through this week and ask this question. Lord, how can I show the grace that I want others to show me to the people that get on my last nerve? But Dennis, they were a jerk face to me. How can I show them the grace that I want to receive? My friends, we're filled with a world of people that are harassed and helpless. They're all around us. They're our neighbors. They're our friends. They're our family. They're our co-workers. They're the people that we, we hang out with and we socialize. And, and, and let's be honest, from time to time, they're me. But praise God, He has looked at all of us with compassion. Because we're His sheep. <laughs> and He loves us. And He's given us a calling to go and to share His love, His grace, and His compassion to those He loves. We will continue in worship by singing. We sing our closing song, um, singing in a worshipful mindset. We're also going to use this time to give of our offerings and bless God that way with what he's blessed us with because it all is his as Dennis said last week so um, you can do that through the app or the website or the QR code in front of you uh, we won't be passing the, the bucket uh, but we do have a bucket in the back between the doors you can use I do want to use this time just real quick to mention because I mentioned this last week but with our new app and website unrolling unveiling um, we are changing uh, our financial service that we have giving through. So if you have a reoccurring gift set up, um, we'll need to help you change that over to our new system. So if you if you are that person or that family, um, come talk to one of us and we can help you walk you through that change over. So anyway, back into worship. Let's let's sing. Let's um, use the song to uh, to sing about compassion, what that means in our hearts. So let's sing together.
we leave this place this week attempting to be biblical and thankful and compassionate, could I maybe just leave you with this? There are some of us in here that we actually do better at being compassionate to other people than we do to ourselves. Can I get a witness? Can you just let your pastor just tell you just right now in this moment, this week, and all the weeks to come, Give yourself a break. Jesus moved heaven and earth because he loves you. He pursues you. He shows grace to you. Because of him, hear this benediction from Jude. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through the compassionate one, Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore, go in his peace. Amen.